Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Karen on a plane. I was on an airplane and right when we landed, a Karen in the back unbuckled and darted to the front of the plane to get off first. She did not make any eye contact and felt she was special. I'm talking about going from the very last seat on the plane down the whole row and past first class basically standing at the little kitchen thing in the front. All this time, the seatbelt sign was on and we're still rolling down the runway. The flight crew had asked her to return to her seat until we reached the gate, but she wasn't even replying. Everyone was basically trying to just wait it out because it was a long flight, over eight hours, and at this point we were exhausted and no one said a word. Suddenly, the captain announced we had a special guest on board and he will be coming out to greet after we were settled at the plane. The Karen stood there awkwardly and we did the whole rolling to the gate and whatever planes do when they land for about 20 minutes. Everyone sat there waiting to see what the captain was talking about. Eventually, the captain came out and asked the lady to please move back a little to get who his special guest, and then a little more, and then a little more. He was looking from row to row, trying to find a specific person, and everyone is watching and looking around to see who it could be. He kept going and going and asking the Karen to please take a few more steps back each time. Finally, as they approached the rear of the plane, he asked her to sit for a second while he grabbed the intercom. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to announce our special guest sitting in seat 42C. Let's give her a round of applause. The whole plane was wild with laughter and applause, and I loved every moment of it. These are the worst types of people on a plane. Literally everyone wants to get up and run off, Karen. No one's happy to have just been sitting there for eight hours. But, you know, there's a process, and uh, you kind of got to let the plane off in the the order that people are getting off. You don't just get to skip the line because you're the princess of the show. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Scrub here back again with another video. Hope you guys are having a great day. I know I am. And today we're going to be taking a look at the subreddit Petty Revenge because you guys tend to really like these videos and, uh, you know, I make them. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Don't help with the group project? Fine. Fail the class. Don't get promoted at work. So this happened a few semesters ago. I'm a big history buff, always have been. Part of this history class was a group project where we had to pick a year of American history sometime during the 1800s and do a presentation on all major events of the year. I was known in the class for being a history buff and I partially feel this led to the group dynamics that we had. I feel like my group members basically thought, oh, we got Sun Don't Play and he's gonna ace this for us. Well, the project started and the group became non-responsive, all three of them. We had a discussion board where we were supposed to talk in and none of them responded. We had emails and none of them responded. We had a chat group and none of them responded. After numerous attempts, I went to my professor and complained and my professor said he'd sent out a notice to all the students they needed to participate to get credit. So rinse and repeat, I tried again and this time two people replied. One was Ashley and she made a half attempt to it setting up and figuring out what year we were going to cover. And another was Scott and he needed his bachelor's to get promoted and it was literally his last semester. Ashley ignored the time we set aside and Scott said, hey, I'm busy. This seems easy. I think it's you who leading the charge. To which I said, fine, let's do XYZ year and you can find me some academic sources to use in the project. Scott responded, responded that he was busy, but he'd try. I went to the professor and he said he'd speak to each student individually. I don't know if he did or not, but the result were the same. Finally, I went to my professor and he said, do the project and anyone that helps and puts their name on the project, all grade accordingly. 
So over the course of the two weekends, I knocked out the project by myself. It was a pretty fun project and I enjoyed doing it, so it wasn't all that bad. And when I finished a rough draft, I thought I'd throw out one more lifeline. I emailed the group project to my group and CC'd the professor. In the email, I said, I completed the project. I need someone to clean up the citations. I need another person to do the graphics and I need another person to proofread it and let me know what I can do. And two people replied. One was another member of the group, let's call Tom, who said, I think the graphics look fine, which, you know, there were no graphics, which means he never opened it. Another was Scott, who said he'd clean up the citations. None of them did anything, and I figured they wouldn't, and now this class was broken down into six grading components. Discussions were 10%, quizzes were 15, midterm papers another 15, the midterm test another 15, the final test 15%, and our final project 30%. Therefore, it was nearly impossible to pass the class without doing the final project. So I completed it, and submitted it a week before the deadline. In two days before the project was due, all three of the group members reached out to me asking if I had submitted it. I said I had and it was a good project and I'm sure it'd be graded well and they're all happy to hear it. Professor graded the project and gave me a 95%, which I was happy about. The professor also wanted to clarify what contributions that I get from the rest of my classmates. My response, none of them helped. I decided to inform the group of my good grade and they were all so happy. Many so confident that they were guaranteed to pass the class. Well, everyone else on my group got a zero because they didn't help. And all three of my group members were really pissed off. Especially Scott, because Scott needed to pass the class to get promoted at work and he needed a bachelor degree and this was one of the last credits he needed. I remember the call between Scott and I. You didn't put my name on the project? No. Sure didn't. Why not? He demanded. Because you didn't help at all. In his defense, he fired back that he was busy with work, to which I fired back. We all have lives, and I also have a job, a wife, and a baby. I don't need your excuses. To which he advised me since he failed the class and he wasn't going to get promoted at work and the promotion was really important to him. To which I said, if the promotion was important to you, you should have helped with the project, but apparently it wasn't as important as you claim. Ashley and Tom were both upset, but less so. Maybe they learned a lesson, and after all, isn't that what college is about? Learning. I mean, it's not like he gave him 700 chances to make it right. He even submitted it and said, look, someone clean up the citations just real quick, okay? You can you can get a decent grade. If they chose not to even open the presentation or double check it at all and make sure that their name was on it, then that's kind of on them, right? You know, petty? Sure, a little bit. But at the same time, I think everybody knows if you're going to be in a group project and one person's going to do most of the work, you at least have to pretend that you're paying attention to it and help them out when they need something. Force me to stay longer at work and not pay me? Fine, I'll ruin your business for a day. About a year ago, I was a waitress at a family-owned diner. It was Mother's Day and a Sunday, so you can imagine how busy it was. The diner had 12 tables and I was the only actual waitress, and normally, my boss, the owner, would be helping me with tables on busy days. I show up to work and already people are in the diner waiting to be served. My boss is nowhere to be seen and I was stressed out because it was just me and the cook. No dishwasher or busser. Within an hour, the restaurant was packed and I was responsible for serving everyone, taking up orders, picking up orders on the phone, managing online orders, cleaning the dishes, and bussing the tables, all 12, all by myself. I called my boss asking her where she was and she didn't pick up. After five hours, my shift was about to end and the restaurant was still packed and I call my boss and she finally answered. I asked her what time she was coming in as my shift was almost over and the restaurant is packed. And the woman had the nerve to say, can you stay for two more hours? I had a doctor's appointment I forgot. I'm sorry. I calmly told her that my shift ends at one, so I'm 
letting you know someone needs to be here to take orders. And she begged me to say and says she has no one to be there. I almost felt bad, but this woman had made me stay 15 to 20 minutes after my shift ended and not paid me for those minutes, so I hung up and walked out. The next day, my boss was furious with me and asked why I thought my behavior was professional. And then I reminded her that I had obligations outside of work and I couldn't stay longer because she had forgotten her to manage her time right. I was tempted to tell her I had a doctor's appointment too, but alas, I did not. Surprisingly, I wasn't fired. There were angry customers, lots of meals comped, and the cook closed the diner temporarily. But I was the only worker who kept that diner running, so she had no choice but to keep me. A few months ago, I put in my two weeks notice and my boss begged me to stay to the weekend. Told me, no, you have to work weekends here. I need you here. And I told him, unfortunately, I'll be working at my new job during that time, so I won't be available on weekends. Even though I put in my notice for two weeks, I ditched after a week and blocked her on everything, and I now make twice as much at a much easier job. I don't really understand what they expected you to do. You ran the entire restaurant by yourself for an entire pack shift, and they were like, nah, just stay two more hours. I forgot my doctor's appointment. Sounds like you also forgot how you're supposed to be running a business. I don't know. If this diner's making it so you can pay your rent, you probably won't be able to pay rent a whole lot longer. He said I needed to keep the desk tidy, and I took that personally. This happened nearly five years ago when I had first become a concierge at a high-rise condominium. I originally worked in the management office, helping pick up the slack since the office was and still is overworked and understaffed. This is par for the course as the entire building is understaffed, including, of course, the concierge position. At the time, it was only the weekend shift that needed to be filled, and it was given a pay raise to fill on Sunday morning from 7 a.m. to 3.30 time. The shifts are pretty simple, morning and afternoon, and a night shift worked in with simple work to answer phones, coordinates valets, valet cars, and other simple tasks. I have it incredibly easy because Sunday is pretty much dead, especially since the majority of the residents are retired. Two things I was very good about were my logs, which were very clear and concise, and the cleanliness of the desk. However, not too long after I started working as a concierge, Terry, the weekday morning shift concierge, who I would relieve for his lunch break, began to feel threatened by me as I could easily keep on top of residents, guests, contractors, packages, and cars without issue. It was one day I was working during the week that Terry commented when he came in on Monday that the desk was a mess. Mind you, I worked the morning shift on Sunday and I had no control nor was am or am I responsible for the concierge desk before or after me. Still, I was irritated he commented on the desk being a mess like it was my fault. So when next Sunday rolled around, I went ahead and did my usual tidying up, but I extended it to cleaning out and organizing the drawers, throwing out old trash and the like, and I found a gold mine. I didn't realize it immediately, but I found a giant stash of business card from Lord knows how many people. I knew Terry was the one who had collected them all, but he was the one who said I needed to keep the desk tidy, so I did what anyone seeking petty would revenge would do and threw away the nearly 400 business cards. You know, I would be pretty upset if someone threw away my collection of business cards if I had one, but I could also understand being upset that somebody's threatened by you and is like low-key threatening your cleanliness. Overall, I think uh, you and Terry just got some stuff to work out because I don't know if this whole co-worker thing is gonna work if y'all keep doing this stuff. No drinks on raised surfaces? Okay. I work in a car detailing shop who has just gotten a new manager a few weeks ago. She has instituted multiple arbitrary new rules, but the worst of all of them all is this. Throughout the day, I share a desk with multiple other people, and the desk is used to cash clients out, to write up and print invoices, and to sign up new clients. However, only one person is ever clocked in to use this desk at a time. When someone is using the desk, their things are placed there, cell phone, a drink, whatever. It's always been this way because it's a desk. Sunday morning, there's a new note on the desk stating there would be no drinks on the desk because it was a raised surface, as most tables are. Here's the petty revenge. The management desk that they all share, and it's one raised 
race surfaced is 40 feet from my desk. It had four drinks on it, and because it's a race surface, the drinks shouldn't have been on it, so the drinks got placed on the floor. And throughout the day, I removed the drinks from race surfaces to place them on the floor. She must have gotten tired of having to get her drink off the floor as the note had been removed. Is this an office or a kindergarten? Why are you not allowed to have drinks on raised surfaces? I'm just not really understanding what that has to do with anything. I highly doubt any customer came in and was like, oh my goodness, I was going to do business at this establishment, but you have a Coca-Cola bottle three inches above sea level. Nay, I say, nay. I don't really feel like it matters, unless your employees literally can't be trusted to drink water on a table, at which point you need new employees. Almost hit me? Enjoy waiting longer. So this happened a few months ago at this point, but it's a story I think would fit here. So, a bit of a background, I live in a gated apartment complex with separate in and out gates. Coming down the drive to the entrance gate, the road splits a bit for each gate, with two islands and a small road between them that connects on two sides right on the outside of the gates. The first island has a call box for visitors to use to get someone to open the gate, and the second island has a card reader to open the gate too. But it's not unusual or uncommon for people to be lazy and rush to the exit gate rather than use the call box and wait the entry gate to open. And this is where the story begins. I was already a little later that night, around 8pm my time, and I was already tired and was on my way to pick up my partner from work since they don't drive. As I'm approaching the exit gate, a woman who is trying to beat the gate is speeding and comes about a foot from hitting me at the gate. She has a good sense to back up and allow me to get through the gate while she backs into the small divide between the two islands I mentioned earlier. Since I'm already tired and she pushed my last button for the night, I decided that I was going to be petty. So I got out of the way of the gate and just stopped and waited and waited until I saw the gate beginning to close and making sure that no one's coming behind me. The lady finally caught on to what was happening and pulled around to the card reader as the gate finally got close enough to be closed to allow a car through. I looked over her at her rider as I drove away and I just saw her giving me a face and I just looked at her stone-faced and drove away. I feel like if your strategy for getting into somewhere involves rushing the exit gate, you probably need a little bit of a different strategy. They're lucky they've never been in a car crash before. I mean, honestly, I just feel like speeding through an open open exit gate is asking for an accident to happen. My mom's sweater revenge on my dad. I remember an incident of petty revenge that my mother inflicted on my father more than 50 years ago. My dad is a great guy with many wonderful qualities, but back in his younger days, he did have a bit of a vain streak and he's always been stubborn as hell. One day, my mom was out shopping and found a sweater on sale she thought he would like. Before he tried on the sweater, my dad got a look at the label and noticed she'd brought home a size large. Helen, you know I don't take a large, he protested. Bob, why don't you just try it on? I think this one will actually fit you. That was a non-starter. My father dug in his heels and shifted into his pompous mode, and believe me, no one ever did pompous better than my old man. The dude is a world champ at pomposity. Helen, I always wear medium, and you should know that by now. My mom was not about to get flustered. All right, Bob, I'll take it back and exchange it for a medium. My dad was pleased that he'd made his point so quickly and convincingly and walked away looking smug. My mom went straight back to the store but came home with not one but two identical sweaters, one in size medium and one in size small. She then grabbed her sewing kit and swapped out the labels. When my dad got home, she gave him the small sweater with the medium label and then watched as he struggled to get his head through the collar. Does that fit better, Bob? Much better, Helen. Thank 
thank you, he answered, with his eyes bugging out of his head and the sweater gaped open over his belt. Dad wore the sweater around for a while that day, but I don't remember if he ever wore it again. But one thing I can be sure of, he was not about to admit that maybe this sweater actually was a little bit snug. My mom was not normally one for extravagance, but I'm pretty sure just having the story to share with a few trusted confidence was very much worth the price of two clearance sale sweaters. She passed away five years ago, but my dad is still around and sharp as an almost new tack at age 99, and I wonder if the time has come to let him in on the stunt, or if he'd get all pompous at me for confronting him with the truth that he actually once did need a size large. No sense in rushing things. I'll wait a few more years to make sure. Man, is someone cutting onions in here? I didn't realize that petty revenge was gonna make me feel so sweet at the very end of the day. Your mom sounds awesome, and your dad sounds very stubborn. Seriously, though, dude, I, I hope one day to have a sweater moment with the missus. Seriously, though, on that note, guys, uh, I think that's gonna do it for the video. Hopefully you enjoyed. If you did enjoy the video, I would appreciate you taking a second to press the like button. Let me know in the comment section down below what you thought, and of course, subscribe if you're new. Turn on those notifications. If you really want to help me out, you could use code SCRUBBY at the G Fuel checkout, and I also do post these on my Spotify. You can find a link down below if you want to listen offline without gameplay, whatever floats your boat. But uh, yeah, on that note, guys, that'll do it. Don't get anyone pregnant. If you do, make sure they're hot, and I'll see you guys next time. I'm out. Peace.